welcome to Stand Up Memories. We have another great show with a terrific comedian. Turning over new leaf. And what's your new leaf? I am not going to interrupt your introductions. Thank you very much. We have a guest who I love, and I remember- I'm not sure when I'm gonna turn over my new leaf. It's not starting today. Not starting today. But our guest is named Ron. I wouldn't want Ron to, to feel like, you know, I was changing our course of action. No. You know, well, so I want her to feel like just another one of our great guests. She's one of, he, is. he is another one of our great guests. This is Rhonda Hanson, and we go way back to back in the day, whatever the back in the day means. Rhonda, I have not seen you in so long, and it's an absolute delight to see you. And I love that you're working with my good friend, John Fugelsang, who's just a oh. wonderful character. Wonderful. Every Monday night, it's a handsome Monday on Sirius XM with John Fugelsang. He's a great guy. That is so terrific. And you are so busy all the time. Not only are you a comedian, you're a director. You travel all over the place. But this lady, and I wanted, I'd like to start with this. She describes herself as the Nina Simone of comedy. And that yes. is wonderful. I know who Nina Simone is. I refreshed my memory. Uh, a wonderful musician, composer, activist, person, and is I'd I want you to say why you take uh, inspiration from uh, such a wonderful character as Nina Simone. Well, because she first because she was so talented. I I just I just love talented women, and because she uh, spoke her mind about uh, politics, she uh, was very expressive about that in her work, in her music, and, uh, and she was very strong about it. And uh, I, I just feel so inspired by her activism and her talent. And, and she did it long before people were doing that. Well, yeah, she 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 paid for that too. She paid for that. I was also quite impressed when I found out that one of her meetings with the record companies, uh, when she thought they were not dealing with her fairly, as you know, happens pretty frequently with music artists and the record companies. She pulled out a gun. <laughs> she pulled out a gun, and I said, "You go, girl." <laughs> you know, I don't know how often. People have pulled out guns, meeting with record executives. But I would tell you that the percentage of people that have wanted to pull out a gun. Pretty high. Pretty high. Yeah. Well, Rhonda, you have never pulled out a gun yourself on a comedy booker, I assume. No, I have wanted to. On my act. She pulled, a gun, she pulled a gun on Jackie. <laughs> Well, Jackie gave me my first paying gig on Long Island. Jackie gave me my first paying gig at Governor's on Long Island. Uh, and he still owes me money. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that first paying gig? How did it go? Oh, it was great because from there on, I worked uh, on the island a lot so much that people thought I was actually a Long Island comic. It, it went very well. I went on to do the contests and festivals and, and work at all the uh, the island clubs uh, 
uh, it went very well. Very early on, well, I, I mean, for a long time, but especially in the beginning, those governor's audiences were so red hot because everybody was so hungry for comedy and it was still so new that it was new. came out and they were ready to go, ready to laugh, ready to drink, ready to whoop it up. And uh, it was a, just a joy running those shows, you know. And they, they were they were great fun. They, they were what incredible fun. The, the lineups were incredible. And you remember some people in those lineups like Jerry Seinfeld and Carol Liefer and Paul Reiser, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, um, Rob Bartlett, the round mound of sound. Um, <laughs> the round mound of sound. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, so many great people. Yeah. Well, yes, because you she started, Wanda started in 1980 when it was new and white hot and, and audience was were just starting to understand there was this new thing called comedy and it wasn't Catskills style. It was George Carlin, Robert Klein style. Yes. Who was your big yeah. Uh, it, I'm sorry. Who was your biggest influence? Starting out, my oh, Mom Smabley. Yeah. Ah, I knew it. That's terrific. Mom's Mom Smabley, Richard Pryor, George Carlin, um, and Joan Rivers. I actually was the movie reviewer on Joan Rivers' show when she was in New York City. I did that uh, for her. Uh, a couple of times, uh, even like Tony Fields. And, but you know, you say what we were doing wasn't like the Catskills, but you know, I worked the Catskills for a very long time. I did I did all of those places, Grossinger's, um, Villa Roma, the Raleigh, uh, the Concord, uh, all, uh, all of those places for, for many, many years. So when I was not uh, where I started out on Long Island and then the showcase clubs in Manhattan, like Catch a Rising Star and the Improv, I was I was in the Catskills. I remember you from the comic strip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, I, when, when Lucian would actually put me on at the comic strip. <laughs> yes, I was there. The I was there. But those, those, you know, those Catskills gigs were like such a rite of passage. But I I still remember the the first couple times working those midnight shows because those people would pay one price to come for the weekend and they got to go to every show. So if you had like the late show on Saturday night, they'd already seen three or four or five shows. So they were under no no pressure at all to sit through a show. It wasn't like they paid their money. They already paid their money. And if they didn't feel, I mean, I I know the first time I was up there at the midnight show, I saw nothing but asses and elbows after five minutes. I would say three quarters of the place just left. But they said they always did because they were, they were tired. It was the end of a long day. It was midnight. <laughs> and they were like, you know, enough of this. And you just, it, it really put I would a lot do, of hard I would do the me. main room. <laughs> yeah, I would do the main room and then go do a, a late show uh, at at another at another casino. But I always had a good time. I, I I really I really had a good time with with those audiences. Yeah. 
Yeah, but there we all have tough shows. Do you remember some of those? Oh my gosh, my toughest show was when I well I toured with Anita Baker for two and a half years opening her show, and uh, and this one day we you know got in our transportation going to uh, I think it's Greensboro, North Carolina. And me and uh, the Perry sisters, the backup singers, and the band were all in uh, in North Carolina. And her chauffeur had driven her to Greensboro, South Carolina. And they had they put me on in an unair conditioned gym in front of people who had been standing for about forty five minutes. They put me on when they knew she was getting close and. And w when I came out there, all they did was say, you're not Anita. You're not Anita. You're not Anita. <laughs> that was that was pretty, pretty scary. That was pretty scary. <laughs> we, we've all had those. We've all had those. Me, I played in a two man group. We just played guitars, me and my partner. And we had a job out in the Hamptons at one of the really big clubs. I think it was called the Mad Hatter for the five o'clock uh 25 cent beers for like an hour and a half so we just played music and everybody drank beers for 25 cents each and the main act was a, one of the huge long island bands it was like the stanton anderson band and and uh the st4 and it was this band called baby and they were so popular and they broke down on the jersey turnpike and they said jackie you and chris have to play you play the night and I'm Stretch. telling you, we started Stretch. at 8 o'clock to a full house, and in five minutes after 8, the place went down. <laughs> and they're expecting this huge rock and roll band. All of a sudden, plinka, plinka, plinka. Oh, my God. It was just... And it, it keeps you humble, you know? Keeps you humble. It really does. There's nothing like show business to keep you humble, Jackie. I'll tell you that. I agree. I agree. And... Now, we would have met. Oh, can I say that? Ago. I'm sure well, at least once or like twice. At least once or twice. Well, I started in the eight in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. But you know, a lot of a lot of that drive. Married at the time. I yeah yeah. I was doing you know driving. Uh, I actually learned to drive so I could get out to Long Island. I would, and this was before a GPS. I'd have all these index cards with the clubs and directions to clubs and driving and reading at the same time. It was wild, absolutely wild. Oh, we all did that. It was death defined. Well, wait a second, because I've done something we've never done before here on Stand Up Memories. I've got a cue card and it's the title of your one woman show, Lie Baby Lie, True Tales of Sex, Murder and Gentrification. Yes, it's a mouthful. Yes, it is. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm I'm working on uh, writing that up uh, for uh, a, a small book. Uh, I actually think I'm going to do that because uh, it was so much fun and and people liked it so much. I, I'm uh, working on that right now, making that into a, a, a short a short book, a short book. OK, Tales of Sex. What what did you talk about sex? Oh yes, uh, those uh, 
teenage sex, those clutches in the hallway. Oh yeah, all of that. That that gets done. Uh huh. I, I had. Wait, wait, what the hell wait, with wait. the sex? What about the murder? Not, not murder. No, wait, wait. I had the clutches in the hallway in high school, but I was alone. <laughs> now you have. Tales about murder? Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you'll have you'll have to buy my book to find out about that with my mother. It, it involved my mother. Okay, and, but it, you and never her, murdered anybody yourself. Her new husband. Oh, I didn't. I <laughs> I wanted to murder him, but uh, <laughs> you know, we all know there is a huge gap between murder. And wanting to murder. Yeah. You know, I wanted to murder Bales three times since I got here today. <laughs> you can't count that, you know. And gentrification, which yes. our audience knows what that is. Uh, and I guess your view is that it's mostly bad. Well, uh, I grew, I was born and raised in Bedford Stuyvesant. I grew up there. And, uh, and when I was growing up, it was uh, a place that I felt like I wanted to get away from. And, uh, and I have come to understand that certain sections of, of, um, of our cities are slated for devaluing. Uh, so like it'll go through 20 years or so of being devalued so that there can be a turnover. And that turnover came you know, after I had left Brooklyn and the turnover got to the point where uh, it's one of the most expensive and uh, sought after areas in in the country, actually. Brooklyn is, is very expensive. And um, I, I could, actually could not even afford to live in the borough where I was born and raised. Yeah, Brooklyn has gone through such major changes, like not even believable, you know. Absolutely. I guess the bad part is what happens to the old neighborhood and the people who live there? Well, the, it's it's rough, but the, the one the one good thing about gentrification was that I could finally get a decent ten dollar cup of coffee. It it really <laughs> that that really helped a lot. That that Jesus. Rhonda, I grew up in a very similar area to Bed-Stuy. It was called Locust Valley on the North Shore of Long Island. And uh, it defines 180 degrees. It does. It really does. It defines, you know, I lived around people who talked like Thurston Howell on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> and I see Freddie from our crew not knowing who Thurston Howell is, because he's a young, no idea, right? Young people don't even know what Gilligan's Island is now. Uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate to be around people and you make these references and they have no idea what you're talking about. That happens with me when people ask me my name and I go, uh, Rhonda, help me, Rhonda, help, help me, Rhonda. And they, they look at me like- the And they go blank. Yeah, or, or they look at me like I need oxygen or something. You don't remember yeah. that old song by the Kinks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, old, the other day, I don't know if I was with you, we spent, I, did, I refused to Google. We spent a half an hour trying to think of Tuesday Weld's name on Dobie Gillis. Oh, I, <laughs> we, we get into these moments when we're racking and our And Dobie brain. Gillis, I mean, th that was, you know, 
that was Maynard. That was a, a 10 years and a whole sitcom before he was Gilligan. He was Maynard. And, and, and who was Tuesday no, Wells? I don't remember right now. Oh, it's a, it's a tough one because it, we found we found it, and I referred to it five different times, and I still can't tell you. <laughs> Dobie Gillis was a beatnik, and people don't. Maynard remember. Maynard was Maynard, a oh, Maynard Krebs, right? Was the beatnik people? Counterculture. Maynard G. Krebs was counterculture before it was happening. Yeah, before there was right. such thing, you know. That's exactly right. And by the way, I feel guilty because we have young people watching. Help me, Rhonda is a. Beach Boys song. However, the Kinks were great as well. <laughs> Help me, Rhonda. I think probably was a, one of their number one. Hits. It probably was one of their number one hits, and it's a great way to remember your name. If the if the if the song means anything or strikes a bell, otherwise it's like, what is she talking about? <laughs> that is so crazy when you when you give a reference like you know, boom boom, and people are like you see him go blank. You know, I did a show and I'm, I'm embarrassed. It was a long time ago, like 10 years or 20, but I was, there were things in my act and I had some older people sitting there and uh, they were laughing. They were kind of counting them off because I mentioned Liberace <laughs> and the room went dead. And I mentioned Alan Funt and the oh room went God. dead. Like, you know, because you, you don't want to let go of those. You don't want to let go of those. And then you realize... You, you just too many people are scratching their heads, you know. You go from, you know, twenty percent of the people not knowing to fifty percent, and when it gets to be about eighty percent of the people don't know, like, you know, it's but downright rude. You, you know? tell me that everybody still remembers somebody. I think you opened for James Brown. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Really? I opened for James Brown in Connecticut, and it was. Uh, I, I was very excited about it, but uh, I was. I was told strictly not to uh, go past his dressing room. Do not, do not, do not pass go. Do not stop and say hello. Just keep on moving. Don't look back. But yes, that was a quite exciting uh, show for me. I opened for James Brown. Yeah. But he, so he was like the Michael Jackson thing. Uh, no eye contact. Uh, well, see, that's the thing. When you have people, when you have people, you know, Jackie, it could have been just his representative saying that, or it could have been James. I'm not going to say that that was, that came from. Right. It could be people doing what they think he wants them to do. Yes. Yeah. So then we're not going to ask you if you had sex with James Brown because you didn't. Oh, oh yeah, we had sex. I just didn't look at him. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> So you're a busy woman. You do cruise ships, you do clubs, you do casinos, you do private shows. Which do you like better now? Well, you know, I now I like any gig that pays. I'll just tell you that. Any any gig that pays. That's what I'm looking for. Because I don't I don't have people anymore. I don't have management anymore. So whenever people approach me, I'm just happy to know that, you know, I get I get paid up front, deposit first, paid up front before I go, and I've got the jokes to deliver. I've I've got them. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I work. And people say, Are you retired? Are you still working? And I I tell them I'm retired until the phone rings. That's it. <laughs> That's like, it's you true. Know, I before I even answer the phone, I say I'll do it. You know yeah. I mean? 
Well, George Burns, what was he, 99? And he still had bookings going in for another two years that were scheduled when he passed. Yeah. Do you ever think about stopping or are you going to be a stand up forever? Um, actually, I did pause. I did. After my divorce, I put a pause in things because I was trying to get my life together. And I got to tell you, I missed it so much. I, I absolutely I missed the creativity, but I missed the camaraderie. I missed, you know, seeing the same people in the clubs and 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 running around uh, from one show to the other. And and it's a hard thing. It's a very hard thing. And but sometimes uh, the uh, the stress and the uncertainty and your uh, expectations force you to to reassess where you are, you know? Well said. This woman is was super funny in 1980 when I met her, and she's super funny now, and you look terrific. Thank you. I cannot wait to work with you again. I'm looking forward to it. I was out at the giggle room uh, out there, and uh, I, I was trying to catch up with you, but uh, be, I don't know if it, the timing was off or what. But I, I would, I would love for us to to work out there and uh, and and make people laugh again together. Because, uh, well, you know, I I love stand up. I I really I I get such a kick out of it, and you know, you get to share things about yourself. And when you hear people laughing, you know that you are doing such a great thing for them physiologically that, you know, they, they are massaging their insides. Sometimes you're even massaging their their minds and and they they're having a good time. Yeah, it resounds with people. And I hope to run into you on uh, John Fugelsang's show at some point. Oh, I used to yes. do it all the time. I haven't done it in a long time, but uh, it was always fun. He's always oh, yes. been a really good guy. Very, very nice guy. Very nice guy. Well, thank you so much for being on Stand Up Memories. And oh my gosh, I, I just seeing the two of you is such a tonic. You, you know, you both look fantastic, and to be able to remember those those great days uh, of 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 being uh, in 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 the the newness of comedy at that time is just yeah. tremendous, just tremendous. You know, I always tell people I can remember almost everything from the first year or two, and then the next 30 years are like blank. A blur. It's a blur. It's so new, you know. Wanda, <laughs> I promise you'll come back with us soon. Anytime you want me, guys, just give me a call and say, help me, Rhonda. Help, help me, Rhonda. All right. I love the kings. Was that a song? No, no, no. Not the kings. I, I did. Thanks, Rhonda. We'll Thanks. see you again. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was a pretty good episode. A new episode every Wednesday with me, Peter Bales, Jackie the Joke Man Martling, comedians, interesting people. Leave a comment. We'll, we're going to get, we'll get uh, what am I saying? I don't know. We're going to get back to you. We will respond to your comments. StandUpMemories.com, if you go there, it shows all the different platforms. Oh, Spotify, we're on everything. Every Wednesday. Stand Up Memories. Every Wednesday. A new episode.